Unbroken Podcast. I'm Alexandra Amor, author and lifelong explorer of what it means to be human. This is the podcast where my guests and I explore the inside-out nature of life via the psychological paradigm called the Three Principles. We explore the positive effect this can have on every aspect of our lives, including resolving things like unwanted habits, anxiety, trauma, depression, and more. You'll find episode show notes, transcriptions, your complimentary video series, and lots more at unbrokenpodcast.com. If you're struggling to resolve an overeating habit, I invite you to go to freedomfromovereating.com where you'll find all the details about the online course I've created based on my 30 plus years of struggle and how I found the solution to my own overeating habit by exploring this inside out psychological paradigm. Use the coupon code podcast at checkout to save 20% on this unique and comprehensive course. And now here's the show. Vivian Edgecombe, welcome to Unbroken. Thank you very much, Alexandra. It's lovely to be here. Lovely to see you. So why don't you tell us about a little bit about your background and how you came across the three principles? Sure. Um, my background has been mostly in human resources throughout my career. Um, and I that led me through a whole raft of personal development, professional development uh, and combinations of the two um, throughout, you know, 25 years. And I actually was studying, I came to the UK in 2009 uh, and I wanted to, to study NLP with Jamie Smart, which I did. And Jamie at the time was just starting to explore the principles. And so his NLP had a little bit of a different flavor about it, I think. And when he started teaching pure principles rather than NLP, uh, I kind of went along for that journey and and never looked back. Really, it, it made so much sense to me, and I um, I got you know so many insights from it, and and things just shifted and changed. So I I didn't um, and still don't really see any reason to to veer off that path. Uh, because it just makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so you mentioned being in HR and had you also mm -hmm. felt like you were a, a bit of a seeker? Like, was there some searching going on as well? Uh, I would say so. I don't know if I would have termed it that at the time. Mm -hmm. um, I think it was, but I definitely was looking at, oh, next cool thing, next interesting thing to learn next a thing that could help me that could help someone else because I was doing quite a lot of coaching in my HR uh, jobs and so yes there was definitely one of those that mindset of oh this is a great thing to add to my toolkit and oh and and great now my now my toolkit's complete oh no it's not what's the next thing yeah <laughs> so, so the toolkit was ever expanding um, and and it is funny, and I'm sure you've heard it before, that when I came to the principles, a whole lot of stuff fell out of the toolkit. <laughs> it just didn't seem necessary to me anymore. Um, and I, it's like the 
the load got lighter and and I and my mind got a lot quieter mm. when I was sitting in front of someone uh, whether it was in my job or, or a private coaching client there was a lot less noise in there while I was trying to listen to them and help them because I didn't have to think oh you know which technique am I going to use now or oh I'm gonna I'm gonna do a double whammy whatever on <laughs> yeah on this um on this issue so it just simplified things actually a lot which mm-hmm. was uh, a relief really Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you were able to take it back to your to your HR clients and your private clients right away. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, absolutely. I mean, it, I guess it took me a little while. The the things fell out of the toolkit, not all at once. <laughs> mm. um, but and and I guess finding my own understanding and and my grounding in what I was learning but yeah it it feels like it didn't take too long before it was it just made more sense to have that conversation than any of the other conversations that I've been having right yeah oh nice and you and I've spoken before on a previous podcast Mm. that I had and one of the things that you shared that where the principles were really impactful and I didn't write this down on my list of questions but was that um your journey about having a child um, mm. was really affected by the principles. Could you share a little bit about that with us, please? Sure. Um, I love talking about this. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> um, I, yes, for, for quite a number of years, I, I'm sorry, my cat's just come in. I don't know if you can hear him talking to me. But, no. <laughs> um, for For quite a number of years, I was in a position of, wanting to have children and and not believing that I would and so uh having the uh a lot of thinking a lot of upset a lot of uh you know round and round circular thinking um and and it was impacting my relationship and um it was uh, how can I put it? it? I I often term it my tumble dryer phase because it just felt like I was in this thing that was going round and round and round and I couldn't get out. And there was no, I would, I was talking to anyone I could find, <laughs> whether it was at work or at home or whatever, to try and get some answers I don't even know what the question was, Mm. (laughs) but it was, you know, if I look back, it was probably, could I be, could I be happy without children? Um, How how could I convince my husband to want children? Because he, he was older than me and had, had a family previously and he didn't want to go around that, that track again. Um, And in my searchings, no one ever told me that I could just be happy. You know, there was no, there was no message of, everyone took it pretty much as seriously as I was at the time, um, which is not a reflection on anybody at all, uh, but it's probably more of a reflection of society and, and um, the value that we put on uh, or the identity that we make for ourselves around this whole thing of having children or not. And um, when I 
I I first had an insight. This was before the principles, but I had an insight mm. that I had been making up two futures and only only two imagined futures. There was the the grey one without uh, children, and there was the you know beautiful technicolor one with children. And I realized in a in a in a moment that both of them were made up. Neither of them were real. Um, and I think in this realm of childlessness, as it tends to be called, um, people can semi accept that they might have made up the the Technicolor one that they might be looking through, through rose colored glasses at, at what the future might be like, but they tend not to realize that they're making up the other one as well. Mm. <laughs> the one that says you can't be happy or that you, that you'll be sad forever or, you know, um, all of those messages that we get when we want children and we, and we can't have them. Um, so I, in that moment of realizing oh, I've just made both of those up and actually the world is full of infinite possibilities and I have no idea what my future will look like. Mm -hmm. um, it was it was like the, everything opened up for me. It was just a, a different experience. Then it was, oh, right. So if I don't know what my future is going to look like, what do I feel like doing? If I, if I think, well, it's not going to include children, then what, you know, what, what shall I do? not in any kind of um, uh, pressure or purpose kind of way because mm -hmm. that's often the next thing. If I'm not going to have children, then what's my purpose in life? It wasn't about that at all. It was just, what do I feel like doing? <laughs> mm. um, and, and after that was when I came to uh, the UK and started learning with Jamie and um, and that I realized through understanding the principles, what had actually happened to me in that moment of insight, what, mm -hmm. what had taken place. Mm -hmm. And from there, I just got, you know, insights upon insights about how, um, my value as a person, as a woman, um, how I was already complete and that there was nothing that I needed to complete me, whether that was a child or a relationship or financial security, as they call it, or any of those things. I was, I was okay. I was complete here and now. Mm. Um, and, and that, you know, building that building on the, oh, you've imagined those two futures, Vivian, um, just transformed everything for me it's um I guess I don't I don't define myself in any way at, about whether I have children or not it's not something that enters my um kind of it doesn't really enter my head unless I'm having a conversation like this of course <laughs> <laughs> um and I certainly I don't um I don't think of it as a defining feature of me at all mm -hmm. um, and and all the labels that go with it in in society like childless that doesn't even that doesn't make sense to me child free doesn't make sense to me I'm just a person who doesn't have children I don't um it doesn't 
define anything about me as far as I'm aware. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. And to me, that just speaks to really the power of insight, because something that was so important to you for so long, and as you said, you were in your head circling around about it for ages. And then in one moment, uh, you just realized how you were making it all up, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. (laughs) And I can laugh now. (laughs) And I I could laugh pretty much immediately when I had that realization. Um, And for a lot of people, I know it's not a laughing matter. And it wasn't for me Mm -hmm. um, until until that happened. And but what what that also uh, what I also realized along this journey was that, oh, but that's not unique to me. You know, I'm not special. And and so anyone can have an insight that can change things for them, that can, you know, make a full 180 on whatever it is, whether it's about having children or whether it's about something else. We're never stuck. Or we're only as stuck as we think we are. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's such a great story. I love hearing you talk about that. Thank you. <laughs> Pleasure. So you've written a book called 28 Days of Resilience, and I'd love to hear. Um, so I was thinking about this this morning while I was getting ready for our call. You know, we can approach the principles from several different directions. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious about why it was that resilience was sort of the the inroad that you took mm-hmm. and and the and why you incorporated that in the title of your book I think and it's going back a little while now so mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope I'm not just making this up um I think I've always felt it as a as a resilience paradigm mm-hmm. um, if that makes sense this understanding gives us such a solid foundation to navigate life with Mm. and and that to me is what resilience is I mean resilience as a term applied to human beings really is a made-up thing probably relatively recently I don't think that people you know even a hundred years ago were talking about resilience they were just getting on with life (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah I think when I when I talk about resilience it is that uh that ability ability to i mean we're all always navigating life it's not like we need a special ability but it's it's understanding as we navigate uh that we're okay and that we can we'll have what we need when we need it in face of the inevitable challenges that will come up uh along the way because no one gets through life without having stuff happen as far as I can tell I haven't met anyone yet (laughs) (laughs) um and we we all deal with it you know we're we're it's interesting to me when people say oh I don't know how I'll get through this because and I have often said to my clients you already are Mm. you're already getting through this Mm -hmm. Um, and and there's something that that lets us just take the next step and the next step and the next step. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think, if we want to put a label on it, I think that's resilience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the book obviously walks, it's called 28 Days of Resilience. It obviously walks people through 
exploring that, what you've just described. And so where do you begin uh, on that journey with them in the book? Um, I, who from memory, so it's a little while since I opened the book. Actually, maybe I should have refreshed my memory. <laughs> um, I would, I would start like I start with my clients, really exploring how we are creating our experience of life through thought. Mm. Um, so it's a, I guess it's a step away from um, how we usually think life is happening to a step closer to truth I would say about how life is happening so looking at um the the innocent misunderstanding and the innocent mis um misconnection if that's a word that we've made between our circumstances and our experience and uh disrupting that connection and and helping someone to see that actually uh the element of thought has been missed out in that equation if you like mm-hmm. we've we've forgotten that actually in between experience and uh in between our circumstances and our experience is a world of thought and in fact the world of thought carries on when the circumstances or the events or the situations have gone um so thought really is it it's the the beginning and the end. Um, so that's that's where I start, and that's where we start exploring. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Um, so shifting gears slightly, I've, I was poking around on your website the other day, getting prepared, and mm-hmm. you have a free webinar called Life in Color. And so I'd love you to tell us a little bit about that and um, and what that phrase means to you. Uh, that goes back to the childlessness story. Okay. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Um, when, uh, as I mentioned, when I was in that tumble dryer phase, I had these two uh, futures mapped out in front of me, one that was grey and one that was in glorious technicolour. And um, when I was talking with... Um, my colleague, our colleague, in fact, uh, Laura White, and we were looking, we wanted to do a podcast together about that subject. And we were looking for a a name that wasn't anything to do with either of our individual um, works. And we came upon Life in Colour because because in that um, community of people who would term themselves childless, there is, I think there's a perception that life can't really be in color. There's always going to be a grayness or a, um, or a muting of the, of the color. And we've just wanted to kind of go that open. And that's why uh, on the podcast and we haven't, so it's called the life in color podcast and we have an Instagram page. And when you go on it, you just see this, we got a beautiful watercolor. I think it's a watercolor. It might be a, Anyway, it's a beautiful, just blob of different, beautiful, vibrant colors um, that we use as the theme for all our um, posts and things on on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Oh, nice. And yeah, I can imagine if someone 
you know, has something like that, like having a child that's so important to them that proceeding without it and believing that, um, it's, I'm trying to find the words to describe. It's like, yeah, that they might feel that they're sort of living life with, with one of their limbs missing or with this experience that feels vital, um, and sort of, so sort of tolerating, you know, the rest of their lives mm-hmm. without this thing that was really important to them. And I, and I can see that that can happen in all kinds of different ways. Like if someone, as you said, it wants to be in a relationship and hasn't found the right person or wants to find the right job and hasn't really, you know, that hasn't really clicked for them. Um, yeah. And, and the weight that that can bring I'm sure to people's lives, uh, it must be so relieved by realizing that they're, they're making it up essentially with their thinking. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And I love, I love hearing from people because I wrote a book as well called already complete about mm. the same subject. And um, I love hearing from people to say, Oh, I, I read your book or I listened to it on audible or, um, and I listened to the podcast and, you know, something shifted. I feel different feels like someone said um I feel like I've been in winter and now I can see spring oh nice that's that's exactly it and that's exactly you know I I I wrote in the book about the void you know people talk about this there's this void that that can't be filled and I wrote in the book um about the void that there actually is no void that's made of thought too and Mm. and that disappears of its own accord when we realize what's going on because it never existed in the first place (laughs) Um, and that's and I know I also know that when you're in the depths of it that's really hard to get your head around um, and getting your head around it it isn't how how it works anyway (laughs) Mm. (laughs) but um, but it's lovely you know you don't know what you're going to say that's going to um, click with someone or that's going to, that they're going to hear on, on the level that they might need to hear it. But I just figure that the more things I can put out there, um, the the more likely it is that someone will hear something that's helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, the key, isn't it? We never know what's going to, no. yeah. Yeah. Stimulate an insight. Um and so you're involved with two other coaches in something called the Alchemy Academy. Tell us about that and why you chose the word alchemy. Yeah. Um, the Alchemy Academy came about um, with my colleagues, uh, Zoe Patrick and Ali Scott, when we were talking, because we we're all, uh, well, Zoe and I are from business backgrounds. Ali's been longer in the coaching and therapy kind of side of things although she had a business background to begin with and we just were talking about how we could um how we could help more people uh in in more ways and we decided that we would like to start going into businesses um to talk to leaders in particular about performance and uh, well-being in the organization what that means um, and leadership and you know all of that stuff culture that that kind of makes an organization do better um, 
And the Alchemy Academy name came up because alchemy to all of like when when the word came up in conversation we were we all kind of went Ooh. Mm. <laughs> because because alchemy is well what you know I, I guess there's a number of definitions but we see it as this seemingly magical process of transformation mm-hmm. and and that's to us that's how it feels you know when you're just in conversation with someone and they hear something that shifts things for them you know 10 degrees or 180 degrees whatever it it makes a difference and there's nothing that you had to do to them or that they had to do for that to happen it's it's simply a it's a it's a natural thing that that happens to us when we see something different and and so alchemy we knew that alchemy would be part of the title once we kind of fell on it and then academy, we um, we wanted to give the sense of the three of us and the fact that this was um, it wasn't just magic. There was some oh. <laughs> there was some, <laughs> something behind it that was more structured and more um, more of a framework that we could take into organisations. Mm-hmm. And how long have you three been working on that together? just over a year oh okay yeah nice still still young (laughs) yes yes yeah exactly and can you share a bit about what some of the organizations have seen or what what their experience has been yeah well so far most of the work we've done has been around resilience and around um relationships like client relationships um and and how to i guess how to get past the barriers that we might perceive are in the way and a lot of that we work on uncovering blind spots and people find that really helpful to to understand that you know there's if if this if this is all the knowledge in the world this i'm making the shape of a circle for those who are just listening and not watching if that's all the knowledge in the world we have such a minuscule piece of that within us and and then there's all the stuff that we know that we don't know um but then there's all the stuff that we have no idea that we don't even know and there are so <laughs> many answers in there um, that are available to us if we can start looking more in that direction of what we what we haven't seen yet, what we don't know yet. Mm-hmm. So so that's um, that's kind of the journey that we take people on. Um, and yeah, so so people have uh, have really found that intriguing for a start, and and they've been looking forward to going into their work with a more open mindset I don't have to have all the answers what if I just listen better to this person what what would open up if we if we just had this conversation rather than the one we've been going round and round with (laughs) for however long Mm -hmm. so it's been it's been really really nice to see the the shifts that have been Mm. going on Oh, that's great. And you know what? It occurs to me when you were drawing us that visual picture of 
you know, what we know or all the knowledge in the world. And then what we Mm -hmm. know is such a small portion of that, that that goes right back to our initial conversation about imagining our future, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and you were sort of imagining two things, the, the good outcome or the not so good outcome. And really outside of that, as you said, there's so much else that's available to us and possible. And yeah, that, that, that that happens in every area of our life, both personally and professionally. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Sure. And that's, it's actually, it has been one of the examples that I've used when we talk about uncovering <laughs> blind spots, because it was such a blind spot for me and I couldn't see, I didn't realize that there was more to see, even though I kept asking and asking, <laughs> it didn't feel like there was more to see until, until there was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because I, you know, when we're holding really tight to something that feels very binary, you know, it's either this or it's that. Um, as you, the tumble dryer phrase that you use is so good because you just keep going back and forth between, well, it's either this or it's that, and neither of them feel good, you know, or (laughs) yeah, maybe my attachment to one feels really clingy. And then I, you know, I desperately unhappy about the other. And that's, such an extreme way to feel yeah and I can just picture you kind of bouncing back and forth between the two and then when we open up and realize oh but there's there's more than that and that's um I guess to anybody listening that's such an important point because you know I'd love I'd love for people to see that that if you feel like there's only two choices and neither of them feel good, then you're not seeing the whole picture. Mm. Um, and maybe you can take some comfort in knowing that there's there's more to see here. Even if you can't see it yet, there's there's something more to see. Um, yeah, that's a really good, really good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that you talk about on your website about the Alchemy Academy is the connection between um, our thinking and stress. And mm. so I wondered if you could talk about stress a little bit with us now and just share what you see and, and, and what stress really is, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess it's that it's kind of the other side of that resilience conversation, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we like to talk about um, this as a subtractive psychology. And I think that's a phrase that um, Jamie Smart probably coined in the first place, but it, but it articulates it perfectly for us that we're about taking things off people's mind. We're not about adding things to, you know, someone's already overwhelming to-do list or you've got your overwhelming to-do list, but we'd like to, we'd like you to meditate for 10 minutes and we'd like you to go, you know, go for a walk in nature and pat your dog and whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So this is really about taking things off people's minds and in relation to stress, uh, I think that's, that's kind of it really. The stress is, an internal experience it's not caused by the outside world although it might very much look like it is um going back to the conversation 
earlier in the piece where we talked about we we miss thought out of the equation you know we leave this world of thought out of our equation of experience and we look at circumstances and we think oh no wonder I'm stressed my to-do list is three miles long of mm. course I'm stressed um, whereas you know in the in the conversation that we might have with people when we talk about stress we will kind of bring thought to light we'll, we'll shine a light on thought as it were and and help people understand what role that's playing which is a hundred percent of the role <laughs> in, in the experience that they're having of that three mile long to-do list because really when it comes down to it no one no one can achieve all the to-dos on the three mile long to-do list and when we uh when we get all the stories about that out of the way, when we, um, you know, subtract <laughs> the stories about what that means about me if I can't do it right, what my manager's going to think, what uh, my colleagues are going to think, uh, how am I going to do this? I'm going to have to stay up all night, blah, 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 blah. My, I'm neglecting my family. You know, we have so many stories that when we look at the three-mile-long to-do list, um, that come into play and when we can kind of bring that into the light and put the stories to one side for a minute and look at the to-do list with a bit more clarity and less noise uh, then it becomes much more obvious what on the to-do list we can say we're not going to do we can put off uh, you know we can get an extension on whatever it is we can have a conversation with the manager and say look you know, this is my three mile long to do list. It's not humanly possible. Here are the things that I think are a priority. What do you think? And it's a much more neutral conversation mm. than the, oh my goodness, I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> my life is, you know, going to implode. Um, so that's, that's really, I guess, the relationship between thought and stress um, in a nutshell. And that's, that's kind of where we point people. Um, in that stress conversation and as we said it's about subtraction so it's mm -hmm. you know taking away some of that noise that's going on or, or helping you to see past it to to the clarity and the um and the creativity that's that's waiting in that space mm -hmm. yeah I love that you bring up that you know it's so common um, outside of this understanding when people are dealing with stress to add to what they're supposed to be doing. And I, you know, I remember back in my corporate days, feeling, feeling the pressure of that, you know, that I'm in order to manage this, I should be doing more. <laughs> and it was, you know, already feeling yeah, impossible. Yeah. Buckle, buckle down and work longer and work harder. And actually yeah. one of the things that we're talking about at the moment um, among uh, the three of us and and that we are working on some things to put out into the world is this concept of doing more with less because that's a real phrase in business at the moment but it's mm. perhaps not intended the way that we would intend it you know in business it's talking about actually physically doing more but we'll give you less resources and less um <laughs> stuff to do that with yeah and that's not that's not necessarily a welcome message to the people who are, have the three mile long to-do list who already can't get through that mm -hmm. so 
when we talk about doing more with less, we're talking about, you know, doing more creativity, more um, collaboration, more uh, clarity, more, um, did I say creativity yet? All those good things. <laughs> more um, calm, more uh, decisiveness, more accountability, more of all of the things that we would like to be doing more of in our work and in our lives in general, actually. And with less on our mind, less <laughs> of the noise, less of the insecurity, indecisiveness, um, less of the overwhelm, the stress, the mental blocks, the um, the friction between colleagues or family or whatever however it's manifesting so that's our kind of version of doing more with less mm -hmm. which I, quite, I like <laughs> <laughs> that is lovely yeah 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 because when we're stressed our thinking adds so much more to the pile of stuff that's already there it and does. it yeah it it uh, yeah I uh I rem I was at um in March I was at a a weekend with Michael Neal and Barbara Patterson. And okay. yeah, Michael talked about the difference between overwhelmed and overworked. And when we feel that feeling of overwhelm, you know, we could have two things to do, but mm. just be out of our minds with stress and worry because there's so much thinking going on. And I thought that was such a good example or, you know, ex yeah, I guess example of, of what that feels like and how our how our thinking gets so involved in mm -hmm. whatever's going on yeah with us physically but it's it's in our language right mm. isn't it it's you know i've got a stressful job mm -hmm. I've, I've had a stressful day this is a stressful situation and we you know in all of those um constructs it's the circumstances or the situation or the event that's doing it to us and we are at the mercy of it. And that's, you know, it is by nature, it is the victim mentality. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us wouldn't want to think that we are in a victim mentality, but that's what that is. Mm -hmm. And and it's so liberating to start to see, oh, hang on, I'm not at the mercy of that stuff what's going on here is that I've got a lot of thinking and that's a different story. I don't need to wait for those circumstances to change before I can feel different because I'll feel different when my thinking changes. And that's, that's a, a much more hopeful, helpful um, kind of place to be coming from to me, much more um, empowered, if you like. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yes. Because when a job is stressful, quote unquote, it, it does it tends to feel like this mountain kind of looming over us mm -hmm. and we start to think of well what can i do to change that mountain and that mm -hmm. itself becomes insurmountable you know yeah. um but, so realizing yeah that it it's going on in our minds mm -hmm. and that's what we have basically agency over um yeah. changes the game completely it's like taking a look behind the behind the curtain, <laughs> you know, pulling back the curtain and seeing what's going on behind the scenes because yeah. it's so invisible to us most of the time. 
yeah until someone has you know as happened to me when I started on this journey with Jamie someone pointed it out to me and then I could just see it everywhere how it was playing out in my life yeah. um and I haven't stopped <laughs> <Which is fun>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right yeah um well as as we're coming close to the end of our time here I want to ask, is there anything that we haven't touched on that you'd like to share about today? I feel like we've covered quite a lot of ground. We really have. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I don't think there's anything else that I can think of off the top of my head. Okay. And where can we find out more about you and your work? Ah, well, I'm on um, all of the, well, you know, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram with under my name, Vivian Edgecombe. I've got a website, vivianedgecombe.com. And I've also, we've also got the alchemyacademy.co.uk website, which is mm. all our alchemy stuff. Okay, great. So I will put links in the show notes uh, at unbrokenpodcast.com to those things so people can uh, find you. Wonderful. Thank you. Well, thank you, Vivian. It's been so great chatting with you. And uh, yeah, thank you for being with me here today. That's been such a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Alexandra. Take care. Bye-bye. You bye. Thank you for listening. I hope you found the show helpful and uplifting. You'll find all the backlist episodes and show notes at unbrokenpodcast.com. To learn more about how to resolve an overeating habit in a way that's unlike anything else you've tried, go to freedomfromovereating.com. Use the coupon code PODCAST at checkout to save 20% on this unique and comprehensive course. See you next time!